Call from mom. Answer it. Call silenced. Instacart knows nothing gets between you and the game. That's why they make ordering from your couch easy. Stock up today and get all your groceries for the week delivered in as fast as 30 minutes without missing a minute of the game. You have 47 new voicemails. Download the app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. Entire Portland Metro. Oh man, we got a, a sympathetic call from uh, one of our comrades that got out. Jason Swigart, nice enough to wish us a happy snow day from Las Vegas to start the golf show. Very kind of him. So Swag was on location for the pilots' season finale in Vegas, and he called in for the golf show. He didn't call in, but uh, Ty lined in. It's a little technical language for yeah, you. So, so uh, Jason Swigert, if anybody does not know, is the voice of the Portland Pilots, who travels with the men's basketball team. They were doing their conference tournament. They play in Las Vegas every year, so he has the equipment to connect the basketball game to our studio uses the same equipment to connect to the golf show. Yes, Nor thank you for explaining what... Uh, well, you said tie line. That doesn't explain anything. Oh, no, that so explains you, a lot. You're an idiot. There's a bunch of radio heads out there. They know. Yeah, uh, like the actual band Radiohead listens to the show. Oh, my God, I'm so nervous. So, anyways, what time do you normally connect with Swag for the 8 a.m. start of the golf show? So, it's around 6.45 when I'm uh, driving in, then I'll get myself a good text from Jason Swigard. I'm connected on tie line, too. Let me know when you're in. I need to hear the station. Yeah. And I go, okay, you got it. <laughs> Didn't hear from him till 7.45. Show goes on at 8. Show goes on at 8. Didn't hear from him at 7.45. He gets on. Swag is obviously uh, not hungover. He's drunk. He was hungover earlier that morning, said to himself, I have a full day of activities. I need to get drunk to deal with all of this. No, well, I think it's a matter of still drunk. I don't think it's newly drunk. It's Oh, like, you don't think he had like two beers before that? No, 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 no. I, I, I don't think he had much sleep, and it was not enough to wear off the alcohol that he consumed last night when the Pilots finished their season without winning a single basketball game in the calendar year 2019. So they won a couple uh, non-conference games before they started West Coast Conference play. They did not win a single conference game. Then they played the entire month. I'm sorry, entire year so far without winning a basketball game. So hopefully better things next year. But now his pilot season officially over, and he sounded very much like it was, uh, I don't know, uh, I, I will say celebrated the ending of the season. I don't know if celebrate's the right word, but they commiserated the end of the season with yeah, the he co was cocktails. Yeah, he was drunk. What does Swag drink? M Manhattans or something? No, I think he probably drinks beer. I know he's into kind of some frilly drinks sometimes, but uh, he's also uh, he's also known for a Bloody Mary. He likes those uh, a lot. See, I think he's the guy that drinks likes to have a drink that makes him look cool, but he miscalculates, and I think he goes Manhattan. I think that's kind of his mode. Instead of getting the old-fashioned, which is very in vogue right now, he goes mm. out and he's like, 
Give me a Manhattan up. And then he drinks it out of a martini glass. Is there anything worse than Bloody Mary burps? Uh, verps, Bloody Mary verps, the vomit burp combination. Yeah. That would be the one that hits the back of your uh, throat. Regurgitating Bloody Marys is mm. terrible. And that's actually a main reason as to why I will not, and I will not anymore, but I would not drink Bloody Marys. Yeah, I'm okay with Bloody Marys. It doesn't happen as much. The ones that really get you are the fruity cocktails. Oh, really? Yeah, well, because you get like the, speci- the acidity. Yeah, you drink something with pineapple in it. You go out and have a Mai Tai on the beach, and then you have 12 more, and next thing you know, you're kneeling in the ocean, vomiting onto a starfish. Yeah, that one's going to sting a little bit on the back of the teeth. You mean the starfish? Starfish is, starfish is not on the back of your teeth. But I'm talking about the starfish's feelings. Yeah, it does not enjoy being vomited. Yeah, sure. Not think. Yeah. Um, what is the best or at least most tolerable vomit of alcohol? Because we're talking about the worst, mm. but what's the one where you're like, if I had to vomit from way too much of it, I'm cool with that. I'll it's, take it. The, the best vomit from alcohol is the one where your buddy's like, oh, my God, you puked all over last night. And you wake up, and you don't have any remnants of vomit on you anywhere, and you managed to do it cleanly, but you blacked out, so you don't remember. So it. You don't even, you're not even going to suggest a drink like no, wine vomit? I can't vomit. think of No, say, wine vomit is no, I think is right out. Think, oh, dude, I'll take wine vomit over beer vomit. Yeah. See, I don't know that I've had enough experience. Most, see, this is my thing. It's for me to actually, you know, calculate this. I'd have to have enough reference points. And I don't feel like I do. Most of my vomiting is done in uh, what I call a time travel state hmm. where I travel into the future and don't remember anything that happens in between the last drink that initiates the time travel. And then when I wake up the next day and my friends and family are telling me what happened. Oh, that's most of my vomiting. Have most ever, of my vomit experiences. You ever thought that's a problem? If it happened weekly, monthly, even annually, yes. But, you know, it's it's happened most of the time that I vomit, that's what it's happened. It's maybe half a dozen times in my life. It's not that often. I think the more okay. carbonated thing you have, the worse the vomit is. Because we're already hearing from the Better You Today text line 55305. We've got a couple people who are saying beer and then also champagne. Is the best or the worst? Is is the, the most tolerable. Yeah, I yeah. I think, that's, I think beer and champagne are all right. No, no. Oh, I'm sorry. They're saying it's the worst. Yes. But didn't you say what's the, the most tolerable? Yeah, that's my question. They're so they're saying answering the worst with champagne is, vomit, no doubt. Is that a bad vomit or a good vomit? They're not very clear here on the text. Yeah, see, I think that anything that has that that type of, uh, you know, that bubbly feel to it, that it's going to come up the same way, and that's pretty awful. That's why I pick wine, because mm-hmm. wine goes down real smooth, and really it does come out pretty smooth. Sure. It, you feel okay about it. The worst part about getting hungover wine-wise, though, is just the idea that you're just so dehydrated. Yeah. So dehydrated. I can't speak from personal experience, but malt liquor may be a good one. I was in Las Vegas with a a young man that was drinking some malt liquor, and he was able to vomit on the strip in Las Vegas without breaking stride. He just leaned over his shoulder. Just kept going. I'm going to throw up over here, and then came right back, and he was good. It's good to go. I'm going to just go over here and throw up, and I'm back. Didn't break stride. Yeah. So it didn't seem to affect him. Took another swig. I'm hungry. Yeah. Anybody else hungry? Didn't we just eat? Yeah. Your food is back there on the sidewalk. I smell tuna. <laughs> Wait, what? All righty. That's a good way to kind of ease into the center and the saints. Uh, we have uh, Blazers playing the Suns in kind of a get right game. There's some interesting fallout after uh, we finished up. You and I filled in for Dusty and Cam yesterday. Uh, but started hearing some of the post-game comments uh, being recycled around the interwebs yesterday. 
And some interesting comments on foul calls. And Paul George uh, obviously uh, had some run-ins with Yusuf Nurkic late in the Blazers game, but they played a back-to-back last night, and he's got some disparaging comments about the officiating from both games. He did pull back a little bit before he uh, was allowed to rail on the Blazers officiating. I'm sorry, the officiating in the Blazers game, uh, but he didn't hold back in the Clippers game, so we'll get some clips of uh, Paul George. That was... did that really well. It's okay. We'll get to Paul George's comments. We'll get you set up for the Suns game, uh, and we'll get you some information uh, that might surprise you about the AAF. I'm I'm just about tired of Paul George. I'm tired of him after the last two days. Yeah. Uh, Yeah. I feel like he's inserting himself into the kind of conversation of the NBA. Like he's really, really putting a good effort out there because maybe he believes if we talk about him enough, he'll get the MVP, which by the way, he is on the low rung of the top tier MVP candidates for me. He, he yeah. like, he's, uh, he's behind Harden and Giannis. Yeah. He's me. behind those two. And you know, I'd even try to even throw somebody ahead of him. Yes. You try to be, I would try anybody to anybody right now. Like I would try to make How's the case. Dragic doing. Yeah. Or like, um, uh, uh, like De'Aaron De- De- Fox. Yeah. Maybe him. Sure, just pick somebody randomly out of a hat. Well, pretty solid. Yeah, insert him there. Right. What? No? There. Yes, I think... Ben Simmons. Let's start with the Thunder. Let's just do that. Let's get it out of the way right now. Let's start with the Oklahoma, Oklahoma City Thunder and why they're becoming so unlikable. We'll do that next. You listen to The Center and the Saint on 1080 The Fan. I have a lot more respect for Paul George now. I, I think I was wrong. Oh, yeah? I was wrong. Good. 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 I took a look at a picture of his uh, ex-wife. Ex-wife? Yeah. Yeah? Wow. He's a professional basketball player. Should it not be wow? Oh, but, I mean, this... Whoa. Yeah? Dude, I I mean... Nah. You know, why... Go ahead. You know, why? Why is it that, you know... That like this, you, you know that this is the thing. What now? That really attractive women are into NBA players. I, I, Paul George is an attractive man. You would say yes. Yeah, he's alright. He's kind of hot. He's only got a size 12 shoe though. Yeah, that's kind of weird. Don't know why that is. Six foot nine, size 12 shoe. You wonder if that has something to do with something else. The X in that wife. Is that what you're saying? <laughs> that's that's what ended it. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah, he's a great guy, but eh, size 12 shoe, if you know what I mean. Once we uh, said that we wanted kids, it just didn't work out. Thursday night, the Portland Trailblazers took on the Oklahoma City Thunder in a playoff atmosphere. Oh! You missed the end of the game. There was a sequence of uh, events that uh, led to Yusuf Nurkic being ejected. Got his second technical foul when he went head-to-head with Paul George on the defensive end of the – or on the offensive end of the court because when he's playing defense, Paul George slashing to the lane, reaches back, puts an elbow into the side of the head of Yusuf Nurkic. Almost killed him. (laughs) He looked at the way he was laying on the ground. Didn't it look like he thought he was dead? I I don't know. He overreacts about everything. Did it look like a Turkish sniker came came in looking for Enos Cantor and missed and got the wrong center? Oh, no, you shot the wrong guy. Dude, even the check from Westbrook was kind of like an overreact. Like what? Well, you would say Nurk's like what? Given 260, 270? Yeah, 6'11", 265, 270. Maybe maybe 270 on the offseason. Like I don't think with how much momentum Westbrook had with that check – you're getting blown back like that. I know he he's blown back. It. He got underneath him. He got underneath him. Eh. Regardless. 
Yusuf Nurkic gets elbowed in the face, drops like a bag of potatoes, lays there for a month, gets up, goes back down to the other end of the floor, uh, starts jabbering. That's how he got kicked out of the game. The interesting thing about the elbow to the face is because there was no foul called on the play, two things happened. One, you can't review, see if there's a flagrant foul on the play or any foul, I guess. And a player, uh, Ferguson, I believe, for the Oklahoma City Thunder makes an easy rebound, standing over in an immobilized center uh, inside defender for the Blazers, puts the ball back up. They uh, make the go-ahead two-point shot, and it's uh, now a uh, chance to tie instead of a chance to win for the Blazers. So the officials uh, and the the review committee for the NBA does a pretty good job of this. They'll come out a day later, and they'll look at the tape, and they'll go, hey, we were wrong. And they did just that. And so this was after we finished up the show yesterday. That the officials come out, and they go, hey, we missed a call. That should have been called a foul, probably a flagrant one. And so they went out, and they uh, make that announcement. And then I also see that Paul George wanted to complain about the officiating. In his post-game press conference, Paul George wants to come out and rip the officials a new one because it was so unfair in a game that they won. And, well, if we've got it, let's just hear it from Paul George. I'm sorry. It's bad officiating. We don't get a fair whistle. We have a better fair whistle. Um, it is what it is. You know, it's, it's, somebody got looking to us. Uh, it's getting out of hand where we so somehow just walk teams to the line. And there's nobody that get more contact. If I don't speak for myself, I speak for us. There's nobody get more contact than us going to the basket. And, you know, it's, it's, it's just crazy. I don't understand it. It's, it's a piece of being on that floor. We're giving everything we got. We're playing hard. We get grabbed. We get scratched, clawed, held, shoved. And, um, you know, we, we don't, there's, there's nothing for it. There's nothing for it. The officials just get to walk out. Nothing, there's, there's nothing that you know penalizes them for not officiating them. George, do you feel like this? So that's actually last night. That's after the Clippers game. So after the Clippers game, Paul George, Russell Westbrook, and one other player, Stephen Adams, all got ejected in the final four minutes. Or, um, I'm sorry, fouled out in the final four minutes, not ejected. Uh, fouled out in the final four minutes. The, the comments that he made after the Blazers game, and you'll forgive me because I don't have them in front of me. He started to complain about the officials, and somebody reminded him he went to the free throw line 20 times in the game. He got to shoot 20 free throws. So he started to complain on Thursday night after the win against the Blazers that at the end, the officials have already come out and they missed a foul against Paul George where he throws an elbow into another player's face. And he comes out and starts to complain. I'd be complaining about it, but yeah, I just found out I had 20 free throws. So I won't complain. 38 points, 20 free throws. Yeah, it seems like he's starting to uh, kind of let Russell Westbrook rub off on him a little bit. And I, I, I just, I think it's productive if we just kind of look at Russell Westbrook as a player and the relationships he's had with other players and see how, for some reason, every single time when people get into extensive contact with him, they sort of get to be douchey like Kevin Durant he sort of became more of a douche as time went on in OKC and now he's perma douche well but here's here's Paul my George wasn't as much of a douche seems like Paul George is turning into kind of a douche Victor Oladipo somehow escaped the douchiness well he didn't play there very long here's my question though is what was Paul George's personality in Indiana because I can't think of it 
Yeah, it was straight across, dude. I just don't I just don't remember him ever have like I don't yeah, remember was, a sound bite from him. It was just guy stays out of the way. No, he was very you know, he was their franchise for a really long time. And I think yep. it most of his identity, at least at that time, was built up around the whole idea that it was him versus LeBron. Like that that was a very contentious battle that they had. The the Indiana versus yeah, Cleveland, Cleveland thing. Yeah was a thing before uh, I remember Toronto him as a player. Well, I remember him as a player. I just, again, I just don't remember him having much of a personality. So this is, yeah, maybe it's Russell Westbrook. Maybe it's just Paul George and the way he is. Maybe it's, it's more of kind of what I'm starting to feel with the NBA. There's just a lot more contention in, in all of the, these kind of middling teams. There's a big pack behind golden state and figuring out who's going to dethrone them. And I think a lot of people are just getting frustrated because as great as these guys are, nobody's had a chance to win outside of the Bay Area for a very long time other than LeBron James. And now you've got uh, a bunch of just, you know, guys getting angry. Well, I think a lot of the guys that you see that are getting angry are part of this, you know, extended golden age of basketball. And really the golden age of basketball to me started right around the late 2000s, early 2010s when you started seeing guys like Steph Curry come up, Derrick Rose, Kevin Durant finally kind of finding himself. LeBron James in the peak of his career. Golden age of basketball? Yes, you have way too much talent. There's yeah, the, so many talented people. Go back and look people. at the Dream Team, though. I mean, you had Larry Bird, Michael Jordan, the Pistons, the Lakers. That You had so many good teams back then. Yeah, but you then. can on the more The Knicks than, were good with Patrick Ewing. I don't know, On man. every single team, you can name, uh, barring a few, you can name a potential all-star on almost every single team. In the 90s, I don't really remember that you could do that. And I, I think the 90s I will were say really late, overshadowed by I, Michael Jordan. Yeah, I will say late 90s. But what I'm saying is is mid-80s through the early 90s. I just think this shows your age a little bit. I mean, there was there was some really good basketball. And it was really Excuse fun. Excuse me, the 80s? Yes. Uh, mid-80s. No, mid-80s, where you had the Celtics and the Lakers going at it, but then you had the Pistons rise up to knock them off, and then you have the Bulls come up and take over their mantle. The, during the first three-peat of Michael Jordan, there were so many good teams. Charles Barkley was contending for a championship. You had the, the Jazz, who forever were this great team, and they finally got in there. The Rockets won back-to-back championships in there. There's a, The Blazers were great through that stretch. There's a lot of really good basketball teams. It just I, and I, 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 don't mean it, I don't mean it as an insult, but it, it shows your age. I would say early 90s. And I would encourage you to go back to the 80s themselves and realize that Magic Johnson and Larry Bird saved the NBA because before that, no one took notice. Yes, I, I, and there was the famous "we're going to put a game on tape delay" thing. Yeah, I'm not. I'm not arguing that they so, didn't. They didn't, but they're, they're, I would it also say the led golden into... age of basketball. Uh, yes, it happened in the 90s with Michael Jordan. It petered off in the 2000s because you had dudes like Chauncey Billups leading a team to an NBA yeah. title, which was ridiculous. You had the Spurs winning a bunch just because the field sucked. Well, and Kobe I would just was... say it's a second golden age. Eh. We're living in a golden age of basketball, man. We really are. There, there's so much talent out there. It's insane. Yeah. I, it's just the problem is all of it went to go one, to one yeah. team. Yeah. So that's right. what I'm saying right now. I would say we're in a lull. I, I, I think we're waiting for the emergence of a few great teams uh, versus having one great team. And that's what we have. We had a great player in Cleveland with LeBron James dragging a mediocre team to the finals for four straight years. You have a fantastic team in Golden State. And I know that they've been pushed in the Western Conference Finals a couple times, but that team has been fairly dominant. 
and you can just look at four, three championships in four years and a uh, new record for the most wins in NBA history. I think you're waiting to see who, what's next. I think we're on the precipice of, uh, of a great few years of basketball, and I don't know who it's going to be. We talked about this last week, or maybe we talked about it yesterday, but we were talking about how right below the Warriors, if, if they don't make it to the finals, who those next four teams, Rockets, Thunder, the Nuggets have been there all year. I know they haven't proven, proven themselves in the playoffs, and I don't think it's too much of a stretch to put the Blazers in there. No, it is. As a team that wouldn't surprise everybody, considering that uh, you had Charles Barkley and Kenny Smith come on uh, TNT and say, hey, they could be in the finals. No, that's a stretch. Okay. Uh, great from the uh, Better You Today text sign 55305. If that no call happened in the playoffs, could we have protested and boycotted like New Orleans fans? I think we would have. I think we would have. Would anyone care? No. <laughs> well, would anybody be surprised if Portland protest anything? As a city. Well, and especially our basketball team, which uh, for the most part, I mean, there's a strong fandom out here, but it's not an aggressive fandom. No, it's certainly nothing like New Orleans is no. for football. No, no, it's aggressive out there. I mean, and I'm not dumping on fans here, man. I, I'm a fan myself. I'm a lifelong fan of the Portland Trailblazers. But the idea that we would be uh, so aggressive as to, you know, get into the streets, start getting fights with people basically have our politicians go to Congress and start putting up poster boards to uh, make the U.S. government have a NFL team replay a game. I, that, yeah, and, and that, I, that, always, that would not happen. And that always is interesting. To Here, here's the, the difference. Here's what happens with the uh, Oregon politicians. Ron Wyden is helping Enos Cantor with his uh, troubles he's having with uh, everything outside of the U.S., yeah, it's unfortunate those two guys have to uh, communicate with each other because one has a lisp and the other one doesn't speak very good English. Can you imagine a conversation with those two? It'd be fantastic. Oh, I couldn't understand anything. What is one one man trying to help another? I can barely understand Ron Wyden now. It's wonderful. One man trying to help another. That's what our politicians do. I don't think you're going to see him uh, yeah, demanding a replay of a deciding game in an NBA playoffs. Ron Wyden also omnipresent. That guy is everywhere. Yeah. Like all the time. It's really weird. When I I used to work back in news, like Ron Wyden would be at the coast doing something, like a fundraiser. And then like the next day we'd get a press release like, Hey, Ron Wyden's in Southern California with some other senators. Do it. And we're like, What what why is he there? What what is his schedule? What Robert, is going on? Robert here? Kraft woke up in Jupiter, Florida, went down to the strip mall, and then ended up at the AFC championship game in Kansas City. That was all in one day. That yeah. wasn't the next day. Well, I'm sure the jet helped. Yeah, I'm just saying. <laughs> when you have money or you have a uh, position of power, uh, you move around easily through this world. So I think we've learned that recently. Yeah, and I, I just – well, let's touch a little bit back on the, uh, you know, the whole golden age of basketball thing because a couple of people are texting in late 90s and, uh, you know, they're pointing towards the whole, you know, Shaquille O'Neal, Kobe Bryant. You still had Michael Jordan in the 97 season and – I, again, I, I'm not saying that this is the golden age, meaning yeah, you did. no that's other exactly one. What you said. No other that's what one what is means. golden. Yeah, that's kind of what you started to say, and then I would. Yeah, no, yeah. this is a golden age of basketball. This currently is not. If the Warriors win another championship, we are not in the middle of a golden age of basketball. Who's the second best team? So hold on a second. Who's you the second that, best team in the NBA? You think that parity creates yes. a golden age? Absolutely. How can you say the 90s is then? Be, I, I said every the, single I championship not, almost was won by the. Did you Bulls. not hear me? I said that the the mid '80s through the early '90s, when you had the Celtics, Lakers, Celtics, Pistons, Lakers, Lakers, Celtics, Bulls. Pistons, 
Bulls, Rockets. You had multiple championships from all of those teams. Plus, you had great teams like the Blazers, the Jazz. You had great players that were going up and contending for those. The Knicks were always competitive with the Bulls in those finals. The Pacers were really good with Reggie Miller back then. Dude, there were so oh, many good teams. Don't. And you had a, don't what? Come on. If you appreciate parody, then Dude, you, you would say the 2000s. Are you telling me that Spike Lee, Reggie Miller, uh, Knicks games were not fantastic? That's entertainment. My it's, it was entertainment. entertainment. It, yes, it was entertainment. That that was a great time for basketball. If you appreciate parody, yes, I would say that then you would need to point yourself to the 2000s. Where you just had random teams like Chauncey Billups going through. You well, had you the had Spurs, the Lakers first two years. Then you had the Spurs, Dallas Lakers, wins Spurs, one. Mavs, Spurs, Lakers, <laughs> Lakers. A lot of Spurs, a lot of Lakers in there. You got a Wait, Ma- where's the Heat? Yeah, the Heat pop in there once with Shaq. Oh, wait, there it is. Oh, I'm teams. sorry. I'm sorry. I'm you sorry. Just... I read this wrong. So you had the Lakers, 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 Spurs, <laughs> Pistons, Spurs, Heat, Spurs, Celtics, Lakers. Yeah. That's a lot of parody. That's a fair amount of parody, but those teams didn't Let's go to the uh, 80s real quick here. Okay. You do that. Boston, 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 LA, Boston, Detroit, Chicago. Oh, I'm sorry. Chicago was in uh, the 90s. Yeah. So you just had Boston, LA, and Detroit. And then in and then you had the Bulls. In the nineties, you might have had a little bit of better of an argument there because you got the Rockets, oh boy. Bulls, oh boy, Spurs for some reason at the and, and see that's what I thought. Kind of everything <laughs> started kind of falling apart in terms of how you could follow popular basketball. I I don't know, just something about the two thousands I couldn't really relate to in terms of the NBA. Well, that's because you're too busy partying at Oregon State. I was like twelve. Oh. You're saying the actual 2000s. I don't know what years. 55305, better you today, Texas. Oh, wait, 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 Which decade here, do you think question. was the golden age of basketball? Here's my question for you. What year did you discover girls? Oh, out the womb, dude. Yeah. We're around 2000. Two, oh, no. At 12 years old, no and it's way. like, yeah, well, I'm just saying you weren't focused on no, basketball. 1990s, dude. Yeah. If you watch the USA Network, like, you got a pretty good oh, idea yeah. of what sex was. Yeah. Still, that was still the- stockings. Dude, yeah. Like, what was it about USA, uh, Channel 58, if you're an Oregonian? It was like FX is now. Yeah. Yeah. There was just, like, some real, like, Dude, pro- iffy content that kids should be watching. They had a program director that knew sex. what they were doing. Yeah, there was. And then they also replayed Murder, She Wrote. Yeah, and even that was kind of erotic. Oh, boy. All right. Uh, hey, we've got news from the AAF. We've got news from the NFL. We'll get to all of that next in a little football whip-around segment type thing before we get into good versus evil. You listen to The Sinner and the Saint on 1080 The Fan. Let's go over the news. Welcome back. The end of a long week, feels like. Putting in a lot of microphone hours this week. Kind of wiped out. I also had two sick kids all week, and it's not been very fun. But. Poop or sneeze? uh, Pukes. They had the vomits. Ugh. Yeah, I got my face puked on this week for the first time by one of my children. <laughs> yeah, and right. It, I did it in two and a half years. Yeah, on my face. I've been puked on. Yeah. But was... she puked right in my face at one in the morning. Pretty excited about it. I mean, I, yeah, I was going to say, that is not the first time you've been puked on. No, no. it's the first time I'm going to guess that you've been puked on for pleasure before. No, actually, I haven't. Is that a pretty good time? I don't know. You tell me. I'm asking you. Oh, yeah, I've got twins at home. They're just uh, 
oh, just about two and a half, and uh, one of them woke up, so I went and I put my face right close to hers because she was kind of making some sounds that she wasn't feeling so well, but I didn't want to wake up her sister. So we're face to face, and then she coughs and threw up right in my face. Nice. Awesome. So, yeah, had limited sleep, and then uh, plenty of uh, plenty of talk radio hours this week. So we did a lot of this, talking to everybody at the microphone. But here's here's where the solace lies. It's Looney Luke. That's right, everybody. Wacky Luke here in the boardheads. Um, here is the solace. At the end of a long week, you just hope that something breaks in the sports world that is going to bring you joy. And this morning I saw the headline. And it says, why America is watching these guys play football. It's talking about your favorite football league, the AAF. And uh, you liked the story that came out that said that after week one week that they were uh, going bankrupt and they had no real future and they weren't going to last. Well, here's the breaking news for you. Okay. Because of the AAF's TV ratings have been consistently solid, TNT has also agreed to add a March 23rd game to its lineup. It's moving in to a second network already, just one year into it. Aren't you excited? March 23rd, that's a Saturday? I don't know, you tell me. Hmm. That's interesting. I wonder why they're doing that. Solid TV ratings. People are still watching it. I mean, they picked the right time of year to do it, right? They're playing in an absolute lull in, you know, action-packed sports. You don't have baseball started yet. You don't have the conference tournaments or the March Madness going yet. We're still shy of the NBA playoffs. So they threw in an eight-week football season, and people were like, all right, I'll give it a try. And then turns out the play was better than people expected. Yeah, we've seen some bad quarterback play, but there's NFL talent out there. Trent Richardson's having a pretty good showing. The other thing is the rules changes that they've made haven't really deterred anything. And now the the part that that parlays into is we have the uh, competition committee meeting in the NFL, and they're talking about some of the rules that they've already introduced in the AAF as possible rule changes in the NFL, which is exactly what I predicted would happen with this. What time's that game on? That information I do not have. Hmm. Seems weird. Yeah, it's it? only five weeks into its inaugural season. Case in So the game, the Apollos, the Orlando Apollos face the Birmingham Iron mm-hmm. at 2 p.m. Saturday, a game that has so much appeal that TNT is televising it. Huh. Yeah. Isn't TNT doing March Madness? Yeah, I would imagine they probably are. Don't they always? Yeah. Why do you, why do you think they're doing this? Just to befuddle you. I honestly that think that weird. it's surprising. It is very surprising, but you have been, you have, you had no faith in this league from jump. And I just thought that it would befuddle you. And it has, and that may, that brings me joy. I'm just looking at your yeah. face. Your face. But is you don't think strange. that's, you don't think that's weird. You have March madness on, and then you decided to do an AAF game. Yeah. Hmm. Also agreed to add a March 23rd. So, uh, you'll have to give me. I believe that that game is going to be played today, the one that I just listed, the 2 o'clock one. Oh, but they also, no, is no. that so? Wait, 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 wait. But because of the AFS TV rating, TNT has also agreed to add a March 23rd game to its lineup. I'm reading it in the same article. Yeah, that's weird. Seems a little odd. It certainly, it certainly is something that I don't think a lot of people predicted. I thought that, you know, at, at best it would do okay, but it's 
kind of it's, doing no, well. No, it's not doing well. Now, if you go look at the games and you actually look at them on TV, they're not selling tickets. No one's going to these. Yeah. Like, at all. And, no one. And we talked about this week one after week one. And to me, I don't think that there's money attached to this. To me, I think that this is somebody who's going to have a zero block of programming, and then they go, yeah, go ahead and give me that. Now, it's really confusing why they're doing it during March <laughs> Madness. I. Because they're that, already going to have people watching That it. seems really weird. That seems like to product. me like, hey, I actually have a programming block where I can't run March Madness right here, and I don't want to run another episode of Charmed. So how about you just give me that AAF game, and I'll give you some commercial spots. You're more likely to keep the uh, the audience from March Madness if there's a lull in programming than switching over to Charmed. I think you're right. Yeah. So I don't think this is so much of a uh, – of a the AAF is doing well because again well, I just want to I just want to let you know that when an angel investor comes in with two hundred fifty million dollars to save your uh, franchise that's usually not a very good sign. Have we seen any additional comments on that since the original report in the I, Athletic that didn't really carry that much weight that first week? Yeah, not carrying much weight. There just seems really weird that and like an, some guy just jumps in and goes, you know what? I think it's time. Yeah. Two hundred fifty mil. <laughs> Here okay. you go. Really? So you think this is a guy that just had $250 million lying around that he didn't think would make him any money back. Do you know how people collect $250 million? Not by giving it away. They accumulate it by making wise investments. Yeah, I, I think that there are some people out there that just give money away. And I really do believe this that. This is not a charitable cause. Yes, they do to... Uh, I, I No, not that. I mean, they give it away very stupidly. I think that he <laughs> thinks it's a wise investment. Dude, the business model of this league is really messed up. It is. In what and the way? way that you've Just because it's different it, than other sports? No, the way that you've explained it is, so any sports team, or I'm sorry, any sports league, it's a very basic business model. It is. Across the board for any sports league. Sure. Which is this. I have entertainment. People want to watch that entertainment. There's two ways they watch it. They either come to the stadium and do it and yep. spend a S ton of money, or they watch it on TV, and then people recognize that, and then we sell advertising around it. Okay. One whole way of that is not making money. I understand that. Meaning what's a third? No what's, one's going to the game. So it means the stadium rent that they're paying, they're losing profit on it. And oh. the vendors they bring in to serve people food are losing profit. Okay. So there's one whole side where you're not making money. There's there another whole a side where it's questionable how much money you're actually making in advertising revenue. And then there's these rumors of, hey, I think they were going to miss some paychecks. And then a guy comes in and goes, hey, I'm going to just right now, all of a sudden, because, hey, it looks like everything's going really well, Beca give you $250 million. Because I grew up with the AAF and it's part of my childhood, I want to save this league that means so much to me. No, it was after week one. They went and they, we talked about this, the third rung of professional sports being able to be monetized was created when the federal government made it legal to bet on sports, and it's up to the individual states to decide how much they want to do that. That's when the AAF came about. They decided that if they could go and develop the technology where you can bet on every play of a football game, people would be willing to do it. They showed their model to this guy after one week and said, hey, take a look at the way that everything's working out. Here's our analytics. Here's how close we are to having our app operate in real time. Now would you like to reconsider that $250 million investment? And I think he would. I think that's lazy reporting where somebody went, oh, this guy had to give him $250 million. It's probably because they didn't have enough money. No. I very much doubt that. Is the NFL invested in this league at all? No, but they have very 
clear ties to the NFL. A lot of former players are helping minister that side of things. People that have worked with CBS and the broadcast side of things. People that have worked in front offices for the NFL have done it too. And now you have the competition committee looking at rule changes that were already implemented and are working in the AAF. Just one more time. Yep. Is the NFL giving the AAF any money? I do not believe they are. Okay. I don't get your point. (laughs) So this betting technology, right? Yep. You think maybe the NBA has it? No, they don't have they don't have Really? You don't think the NBA has some form of this betting technology where they're gonna develop it too? Play and then by the, the play, both, play and the by both, play. And that both leagues will have it at the same time and that people will go, Well, I like watching the NBA more than I do football, and if I have to just do it because of betting, I don't really care about that. The NBA does not stop between every play and have a thirty five second clock like they do in the uh, AAF to speed up the game. This is a way they have technology built into the equipment where when people line up in real time, it will tell you the formation and then you can bet what play they'll run out of that formation and the odds will adjust based on how the players line up. Man, and everybody watching the game is going to gamble on it, right? You don't need every player to watch a game, especially when there's only 250 people in the stands. This is like the flimsiest, flimsiest business plan I've ever heard in my life. It really is. We will continue to watch it. They're like adding just games. Dumping money on this, like, cross our, cross our fingers, hope, yes, that, hope people, that people will pick up on gambling. Hope that uh, everyone will pick up on gambling. I hope Maybe. gambling catches on. That would be Dude, great. You're you're basically speaking to just one segment of people, which is people who are hardcore gamblers that will care enough to actually watch the game. Dude, there are people that do that in the NFL, but then there's people like you and I who aren't hardcore gamblers yeah. that just watch the game. And then that builds up a crowd, people that go to the game or people that actually watch the game. If it, you just have this population of gamblers watching games and being, you know, hyper-focused on it, that's really hard to advertise to. Yes, it absolutely is, I, unless it's on an app where people are interacting with it constantly. It's it, Listen, the, the TNT game being added is one more lean into this not uh, being such a bad idea. I know uh, it will take a lot more to convince you, but it took half a season to convince you that the Blazers could win a single game in the playoffs, and I think we're almost there. So I will, keep wor- I will keep working on you on that, but right now we need to get to good versus evil. You're listening to The Sinner and the Saint on 1080 The Fan. Have you been too busy to keep up on sports this week? What has happened to the, What has happened? What has happened to the national interest? No time to form your own opinions? I stand before you here today in the midst of gnarly times. Well, no worries, brah. <laughs> Let the sinner and the saint shred the gnar while you just sit back and ride the wave. It's time for Good versus Evil. Brought to you by the titan of Hawaiian restaurants, 808 on 1080 The Fan. <laughs> Yeah, this wouldn't be a good fit for them right now because now you're just bringing in another problem. You know, I think, like Brian said, you got to, you know, get these guys in the locker room and try to solve the problems that you have in-house. That was strict military dad who delivered a whooping after catching you reenact a shot-for-shot remake of the 1986 classic Labyrinth in your room because boys don't dance in this house. Well done. Byron Scott, he's talking about the seasonal NBA wildfire known as Carmelo Anthony's free agency. Rumors came out late last week that Anthony was actually interested in joining his banana boat buddy LeBron James in Los Angeles, but ESPN's Adrian Wojnarowski is reporting that Melo is now unsure of joining the Lakers because they suck. And what would be the point? Sources are now saying the Celtics could actually be a, a player for Anthony. Would Melo work on either of these teams? 
Yeah, he'd worked just fine on the Lakers. Uh, he would continue them on their current trajectory of missing the playoffs because I believe they have zero chance of making it right now. So that would be a perfect fit. Going on the Lakers, uh, going on the Celtics and actually trying to help them improve would not work. The Celtics are playing for an a NBA championship or at least a finals appearance, and he's going to be no help with that. But playing for a draft pick, Melo would be a big help with. I do love the whole narrative that's going around where uh, sports broadcasters are, aren't yet kicking the Lakers out of the playoff contention yet. They're like, oh, it's it's almost impossible. Yeah, it's impossible. Like, they could still do it. It's, no. It's, it's, no, dude. You listen to ESPN, and they're Insane. like, they're technically out of it. Yeah. It, it's like, they're no, they're out of it. Mathematically out of it. Yeah. Like, <laughs> like, well, no, listen. If there's enough plane crashes, <laughs> yikes. And we've let our fans down uh, many times this year at home, uh, particularly on uh, you know, nights that um, are, are big ones, you know, against great teams, national TV. That was Dad, who you assume you could beat up because he drives a, a Chrysler Pacifica and you drive a Chevy Tahoe, Steve Kerr. He's talking after one of the most embarrassing losses of the NBA season. That's when the Golden State Warriors lost to the Boston Celtics at home by 33 points. It was the team's worst loss in almost 10 years, and the Dubs are now 3-5 and five in their last eight, including losses to teams on the East Coast like uh, the Portland East Coasters. Oh, sorry, I read that wrong. The Orlando Magic. But last night, the Dubs did apply quite the beating to the uh, Denver Nuggets. Are you still calling the Warriors a favorite for the NBA title? Wednesday, they play the Rockets. The Rockets have won seven straight. That game will be interesting to watch. Uh, part of the reason that they played so well, oh, is Clay Thompson was healthy and went out there and had, what, nine threes? Having the full complement of players. Clay Thompson, I think, is sometimes overlooked, especially since Kevin Durant's been there and the turmoil that Boogie Cousins is causing. Uh, Clay Thompson is an incredible player on both ends of the floor, and sometimes we forget just how damn good he is. Uh, but, yeah, look look for them. Uh, they play the Suns tomorrow and then the Rockets on Wednesday. That'll be a good one. And it's also interesting because this last stand of Clay Thompson being out with injury is almost going to give you the, your answer to the case study, which is who do we get rid of, Draymond <laughs> Green or Clay Thompson? Thank yeah. you. Yeah. This is going to be a massive deal. A massive deal likely to make him uh, the highest paid receiver in the NFL or if not there right at the top of the list. Not a surprise he is an explosive player but this is now the Chiefs reality. That was white guy Ian Rappaport. He's talking about negotiations that are underway between the Kansas City Chiefs and Pro Bowl wide receiver Tyreek Hill. The speedy wideout is entering the final year of his rookie contract and there's some reports that indicate his next contract will be quote-unquote record-setting. We've seen what's been going on with Antonio Brown and the whole trade situation. Is it worth it for any NFL team to spend big bucks on a wide receiver? I'm trying to think of the last time the best receiver in football won a Super Bowl, and I can't think of it. Julio Jones took the Falcons uh, you know, to the doorstep, but they couldn't quite get it done. Uh, I can remember Terrell, Terrell Owens uh, playing a very good game on a bad ankle, but his quarterback was throwing up in the huddle, so that didn't help him a whole lot. Yeah, I mean, it's a difficult thing. Randy Moss never won a Super Bowl. Um, it, yeah, I don't know that it's worth the price tag. Um, Keyshawn Johnson? Yeah, in Tampa Bay? Wasn't he on that Bucks team? Yeah, I mean, I suppose he was, but his quarterback was Brad Johnson, and he wasn't the reason they won. It was their defense. Oh, sorry. I mean, right? I, I thought you were going to say <laughs> he wasn't the reason they won. It was Brad Johnson. <laughs> 
I was like, well, that's that's interesting. <laughs> yeah, no, I don't think I don't think we give all the credit to the yeah, but Brad Johnson was thrown to him. I mean, yeah, but, but it's too easy. Uh, yeah, no, no, it's it's yeah, it's kind of a, a mess because you're talking about Odell Beckham Jr. being traded. You're talking about Antonio Brown refusing trades. I believe Ian Rappaport was the one that had him going to Buffalo. Uh, and and now you've got, that was the thing. Yeah, he just know. refused to go. You definitely want to keep your quarterback happy, and you have a couple more years of not paying uh, Pat Mahomes. So if you're going to do it, do it now. All right, time for my favorite story of this week, and this one comes from North Carolina, but it has all the paintings of Trailblazers lore. Ooh. Former UNC great, and like I said before, a trailblazer, Rashid Wallace is coming back to Triangle as a high school coach. The former NBA star was named boys basketball coach at Durham Jordan on Friday. Wallace, 44, takes over for uh, whoever. Last season, <laughs> the Falcons. Rashid Wallace. Last Falcons finished <laughs> the season 7 and 17 overall and are 1 and 9 in conference play. So Rasheed Wallace will be coaching a high school basketball team. You going to back talk to Rasheed Wallace? Yeah, that's the thing. <laughs> and I wonder how Sheed is as a coach. I, I don't know because he, he always seemed mellow uh, off the court, but that's because I assumed he was high. Um, but he had a lot of technical fouls when he played. Is that it's, it's vaguely racist? Uh, he played for the Jailblazers. I said vaguely. Vaguely, okay. Um yeah, I don't know. I don't know how this works. But listen, if, if if it's something that he's fully invested in, I don't know why he wouldn't succeed. He, I'm sure he understands basketball as well as anybody. I mean, he played for a very long time in the NBA. It wasn't like he played through his, you know, athletic peak and then uh, was, you know, thrown under the scrap heap. That guy did win a championship. And he's a good contributor to a lot of very good basketball teams. So, yeah, I don't know why he wouldn't be able to coach a high school team. Who's his assistant? <laughs> That's a very good question. Lottie like, Divac. Bonzi Wells. <laughs> Bonzi Wells. Just get all the jailblazers together. Oh, that'd be great. Just bring them back. Yeah, Darius Miles, Bonzi Wells. Damon Sotomayor already has a job. He's coaching at Pacific, so. Detlef Shrimp is your equipment manager. Oh, there you go. There you go. Yeah, yeah. I, I don't know. I mean, if you want to talk about instant credibility, though, anytime an NBA player takes over, just not the guy I would have picked to lead a high school. Well, and the whole thing with NBA players kind of coaching down a level is that I think with a lot of them, and of course there's exceptions to this thought, but I, I think a lot of them get into the mindset of how they were coached and how they understand the game. And I think that can be very fast because, of course, the NBA is really fast. And if you're at that point in your career, you kind of universally understand a lot of concepts that can transfer to teams, right? It's the same thing as the NFL. If you get traded and you go to a team, you take a look at the playbook and you've had enough experience, you can see patterns and just go, okay, that was this yeah. and that place. Yeah. I think with guys like this, you get into the high school level and you just ass you assume too much. Well, and the, and the you kind of almost go over the players' heads. Yeah, that can be the case too, but I think the big pitfall you run into is, why don't you do what I did when I was a player? Right, yeah, yeah. Oh, I don't have the talent that you do, coach. So, again, if he, if he, if he came right off of his playing career and did it, I'm sure he's been thinking about it for a while. He's probably been you know, connected in some way to coaching youth uh, before he went into this, I would guess, but I, I don't know the backstory to it. So it, it, 
good for him. It's if he can go back and he can give something to those kids, even if it's just hey, I got to play for Rasheed Wallace when I played ba- high school basketball. That's pretty cool. It'll make a big impact. So she'd still have money, you think? Yeah. Yeah. You think I, he was a wise investor? So. Yeah, I don't think he. I, he never struck me as the guy that was uh, self-destructive other than when he was playing. That's what I mean. He was always fairly mellow off the court. And I don't mean. But car- not car- full car- mellow. Exactly. Thank you. Ha ha. All right. Good versus evil brought to you by our friends at 808, the Titan of Hawaiian restaurants, 2454 East Burnside or 52nd and Woodstock. We will talk Blazers Suns. Look at their upcoming schedule when we come back in hour two. This is. A- okay. Picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can waste another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can conquer it. I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. Any road. The steeper, the better. Because my all-new Santa Fe is available with H-Track all-wheel drive, so I can hit the trail without a worry in the world. Heck, with three rows and best-in-class rear cargo space, I can pack the whole family in with all our gear. We've got available dual wireless charging for our phones, so we'll never lose touch with civilization, and we won't lose touch with the primordial power of Mother Earth. So which is it? Waste the weekend or do something a little more epic? And conquer it in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. 